This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Welcome back to Horticulture Field of Rushing, and we're going to talk about gardening. Uh, it's been some weird weather, and uh, I know a lot of people are wondering what they should or should not be doing right now, or whether you want to or not, but we're going to talk all about it. It's a live program, so if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free. We'll give the numbers over and over, but it's... Uh, Come on, Felder. <laughs> hey, man, I was, I was just doing some homework. I came up with uh, a couple of weird things to talk about. Because, you know, a lot of people, they're in and, and out. They're doing a whole lot of stuff, uh, seasonal things, non-seasonal things. You, you were out last week because somebody had this bright idea of having a, a university graduation on a Friday morning when people have real jobs to do. Man, tell me about it. But salute once again to all the graduates from Jackson State University last week. Well, yeah, this time last week, one week ago from today, yeah? Yep, and uh, your sister graduated. Hooray! Yeah, big time in the city, big time. Congratulations. Yes, indeed. And uh, and good luck. It's a weird world out there, ain't it? <laughs> hey, listen, I got a whole bunch of things I want to talk about, but I'm hoping people call in because this time of year, uh, Java, you know, I'm on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook uh, site a good bit, seeing what real gardeners have to say. And there's horticulturists on there also. There's quite a few extension people, but mostly it's just amateur gardeners saying, what should I do? Is it too late? Is it too early? All that kind of stuff. And this is the chance to actually talk to somebody who wonders the same, <laughs> wonders the same stuff. D- did I do this too late? Should I have done that? When is it time? So if anybody has questions about what to do or not to do or how to get their poinsettia to bloom or is it too late to plant daffodils, all those kind of things, this is a good chance to talk. Won't try to sell you anything. Luckily, uh, on National Public Radio and Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we have underwriters but not advertisers. So I feel free to say whatever I would do or whatever I would ask my son to do. And Java, my son's going to decide what old folks' home I go into, so i got to be right. you got to treat them well. Treat them well. That's right. So uh, how's it going with you? Oh, it's going good, man. You know, these are the weird where you are. You was talking about how it's kind of freezy, rainy. But over here, it's the 39, 40 degrees in the morning, 60, almost 70 during the afternoon type of December, you know, a couple of days from Christmas <laughs> weather. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, even though we like that, it's not really that good for plants. And we can talk about that later. But we're here to yak with real folks. And we're going to go up to Oxford and talk to Chico. Good morning, Chico. How you doing, man? Hey, good morning, y'all. I got a gardening question, Felder, but I want to say it's good to have Java back in there this morning, and I'm still happy about his promotion at MPB. I think that's not, great. You know, he's, if he were the not, E Street Band, if, if Java was the E Street Band, those dudes that work for Springsteen, he would have moved up from being the big man to the boss. I tell you what, Chico, he's now my boss. He's boss, but, but I'm going to tell you this, and, and Java, I'm going to brag on you. Java decided he's going to keep hosting and, and producing the Gestalt Gardener because we have fun. Of course, they have fun in other places, too, but I appreciate him sliding out of the, the big corner office 
into the production booth every now and then. Appreciate it, Java. Thank you, man. <laughs> We're here for gardening questions, guys. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> I got one. I got one. Now, up, now, Felder, yeah. Felder, I was reading the September 27, 2023 issue of Country Life magazine. It's an yeah. English magazine. Right. And I was reading about gardening, and it appears that over there they call roly-polies the soft woodlouse. Yeah, woodlice. And that they're real good in gardens. Well, they, you know, they're, they're, they're like worms and roaches and other things like that. They don't really destroy existing plants. Uh, they'll, they'll take, if, if something gets started on the plant, they'll help hollow it out. But, but they're, they're macro composters is what they are. They call them wood lice, roly polies, uh, you know, all sorts of things. But, uh, sow bugs, often called sow bugs. I think it's called, they're sort of shaped like a, a sow pig. I'm not sure of it. They're cool little critters and they mostly eat decayed stuff. And stuff is soft and already decayed. Like you know, if you get a uh, something started on a on a strawberry, they'll take it from there. Well, I, I, uh, do we have the same roly polies they got over there in England? Actually, you know, there's a there's actually several different species. Some can roll up in a tight ball, some can't. But it's it's sort of like uh like millipedes and centipedes and spiders. There's different kinds, but they're essentially the same same genus type thing. I read that they're part of the lobster family, so I'm gonna have to try one. <laughs> you 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 gonna you're gonna need a spoonful. <laughs> well, I'll call into Deep South Diamond about that, and I hope Java's there too. There you go, and they're small enough where you can swallow them shells and all. I bet. Man, what a weird. Th- thank you, Chico. What a weird question. All right, that's thank a, you. That's the way to kick. How about that, John? That's the way to kick it off. Now, a part of the lobster family, I did not know that. It's Well, you know, if you think about it, you know how lobster tail curls up and roly-polies do the same thing and, and shrimps and all. They're, they're, they're crustaceans. Hmm, okay. So, yeah, but, you know, and, and matter of fact, I, really, I think they're really, really cool. They don't bite, they don't sting, but, and they basically they just crawl around and help break stuff up. You know, old leaves and rotten fruit and things like that. They're they're kind of cool. They'll in a garden. If you got something soft and moist like strawberries, you know they can sure chew into that. But usually, they're they're secondary pests. They're not real direct threats. Now that's what I. Those leads me to a question I have: Is the amount of like bugs and uh, things in your garden a sign of? Uh, the health of it, or is it on the decline, just depending oh, on the no. kind of bugs that you have, or what? No. Yeah, that's a good question. Rick, the, the more the merrier. If you don't have anything out there, the pests are going to come, spider mites, uh, aphids, uh, things like that. But when they start showing up and start to eat stuff, then things that eat them start showing up, and the things that eat those start showing up. So the, the whole idea is have a lot of diversity. And if you have, the more different kind of critters you have, the more of a balance you have out there. You know, sort of like, you know, you used to have less problem with, with deer diseases when there are wolves eating the deers. You get rid of the wolves, get more deers, you get diseases. So it's, not, it's good to have a healthy balance. If you've got something good to eat, something's going to show up to eat it, and something's going to come up, show up to eat whatever shows up to eat stuff. So it's kind of cool. In, in the end, though, we're the largest predator out there. We decide what, who's going to be the big boss. <laughs> but I just always wondered there because, you know, some people, they want to keep everything so nice and neat. And then if they see they, some bugs or like some ants or something, they're just like, oh, my goodness, I need to kill it and get it away out of my garden. But it's yeah. a real sign that things are healthy, though. 
Yeah, it, it is. From the ecology, the more the merrier. But uh, when it comes to psychology and sociology, we want to keep things neat and orderly. You don't have a bunch of weeds in your lawn uh, on one hand. But on the other hand, a weed-free lawn, you'll never find that in nature. So it's a, it's a family creation. So a lot of times we're trying to control things. We're trying to sway things towards one outcome or another. And usually as soon as we look the other way, things the, the river flows right back. The woods close up behind us. This is it's good. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that tiny little spiders and aphids and little bugs and stuff, that's what hummingbirds eat. Hummingbirds don't just flit around and sip nectar. You know, they get their protein from, from aphids and tiny little uh, insects and, and spiders and things like that. That's where they get their protein. And we just don't realize this. If you get rid of the caterpillars, uh, what are birds going to eat? You know, that kind of thing. So it's, 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 all, it's all good, just depending on how much you can tolerate. Or as I t- tell people, if you just take your glasses off, a lot of problems disappear because there's a lot of them out there. Now, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good way to look at it, Felder. Pretty good way well, to look at it. You know, there's a lot of different worldviews out there, and I'm I'm sort of a live and let live kind of person. I will do what I need to keep my stuff in order, uh, but if things don't go exactly the way they need to go or ought to go, I try to adjust my 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 the, my outcome expectations a little bit. You, you know, to me, the glass is neither half empty nor half full. It's a wonderful vessel. Let's see what we can do with it. So, meanwhile, let's slide down to Hattiesburg, Sue. Thank you for calling in today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I have a question for you about banana trees. Okay. Um, this is only my second year of growing one, and um, it, it didn't do too well last year. It grew, but not as high as my neighbor's banana right. tree. Right. Um, and uh, right now, it's just all died down, and I was I see that some people cut them to the ground, I'm, I'm not sure if I should do that or or let the vegetation that's left maybe enrich the plant. Um, also, I was wondering um, about putting um, a slow-release fertilizer on it, or I don't, I'm not sure how to take care of it. Okay, well, first of all, do you know about daylilies and cannas and things like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same. This is just a big canna. That's all it is. It's a herbaceous oh. plant. Where, where they grow naturally is tropical. They never die down. They grow all the time. That's the reason you have bananas all the time. From when a banana plant first comes up out of the ground to when you can actually harvest something to eat, it takes something like a year and a half. And if they die mm-hmm. down to the ground, they have to get started over again. See, so so in the tropics, they grow all the time, so you always have some bananas. So what happens here, we put them out there, and they get a freeze, which they're not, they're, they're not used to. They just die to the ground. Well, no, they'll get uh-huh. completely killed. They die to the ground because the top part's got too much moisture. It just freezes. And so they have to start over again the next year. Uh, what The people who cut them down, a lot of times they cut them down for neatness because those things get really slimy really quick. But a lot of times they'll leave a foot or a foot and a half or so, sometimes two feet of the lower trunk, instead of cutting it all the way to the ground, and they'll pile a bunch of leaves around that. And if you can keep just that much alive, keep it from freezing all the way to the ground, a lot of times they'll get enough head start the next spring to actually make bananas because it doesn't freeze ah. all the way to the ground and start over. So if you're going to cut them back for neatness sake, uh, leave uh, two or three feet of the, of the trunks 
and then pile a whole bunch of leaves all up around, real real leaves all up around them, and uh, see if they don't uh, get off to good. Not only that, but as those leaves decompose, they'll actually feed and enrich the soil. So you, uh, you you don't need to worry about fertilizer, especially this time of year. We want to fertilize stuff in the in the late winter or the spring at the beginning of growing season. So I'd cut them down, pile a bunch of leaves. Uh, and then in the spring, maybe just a little fertilizer, and that's about it. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Appreciate you call. Thank you. Java, you know, well, I've been doing this program here, been doing a radio program for a little over 40 years, but here on, on MPB for, I guess, close to 20 years now, and there's been some weird stuff we've talked about. And I've thrown out some weird challenges. And uh, do you, any idea what the last time I threw out a weird challenge? God, I can't remember. I want to you threw out what does looking for the words that sound like bad words. But <laughs> that was a challenge you threw out um, about six months ago. Well, words that sound nasty, but they're real gardening words. Yeah. I came out with a challenge for, for folks who might have a little levity if they can keep it clean. A Southern Garden garden Winter Limericks. Okay. Southern limericks, but you, you want to hear the one I came up with? <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay. To my neighbors, my garden looks littered. Over bottle trees, it seemed to just glitter. But their all-year fright turned to seasonal delight when my holiday lights make them flicker. You kept it clean. I'm, 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 I'm happy. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. You know, Limerick's a clean place. You know, it ain't all that side of town. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, we I got some other things to yak about, but uh, let's go uh, over to Neshoba County. See what Bill's up to on this kind of a it's, a. it's a beautiful day out there. Bill, how you doing today? I'm pretty good, and you? So far, so good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I had a tree cut down in my front yard uh, recently. Uh, it was uh, really suffering, so we uh, put it out of its misery. Uh, the guy who uh, cut it down had one of those machines that grinds up everything, you know, the stump and all of the uh, leaves and everything. Right. And so he asked me if I wanted them, and I said, sure. And so he dumped them by the side of the yard. And I got the wheelbarrow out and uh, went and uh, dumped them uh, to suppress the grass between my raised beds. Yeah, and that's a good now thing. I'm now I'm wondering, you know, they're brand new. Did I make some kind of uh, irreversible mistake? Should I let them sit for a while? Or oh no, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a good idea, but 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 we're conflating two different things. On, on one hand. Uh, leaves and uh, wood chips and mulch and things on top of the ground, they slowly decompose based on whatever nutrients they get from the air and water and splash and dirt. So mulch lasts a long time on top of the ground and only gets what falls from the air. Uh, On the other hand, if you take that stuff and you mix it into your soil, then all of a sudden the things in the dirt, like the beneficial bacteria and fungi and earthworms, they come into play. And because there's a lot of bacteria in, in the soil, good bacteria, when you mix fresh uh, wood chips and all into the dirt, the bacteria that decompose those need nitrogen, and they pull all the available nitrogen into them. So when you mix fresh stuff into the dirt, it can temporarily deplete the nitrogen in the soil. It just need, simply need to add a little extra. 
or else put them to one side, let them to, to go through that that initial decay, which takes you know anywhere from weeks to months, and then they're ready to go in the dirt. So right at first, fresh stuff takes nitrogen out of the soil, but only when it's mixed into the soil. On top of the ground, it is perfectly fine. A lot of people mix that up. They don't understand. So as long as it's on top of the ground, you got zero problems. You actually have a nice little beneficial thing. Uh, well, great. Uh, any idea how long uh, that might last? Well, it, de- it, it depends. You know, a lot of you know those wood grinding machines. That's really coarse, chunky stuff. You know, there's a lot of fine stuff mixed mm-hmm. in with it. And it's got a lot of real dirt mixed in with it, which will help it decompose a little bit faster than if it's just bark on top of the ground. So, uh, you know, over the wintertime, uh, it's going to break down a pretty good bit, but it'll still be nice and firm underfoot. If you put it at least three or four inches deep, it's going to be fine. But uh, you may notice that um, that it, it may feel kind of warm in the wintertime because you mix dirt in. The, 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 the root, the, the what am I saying, the... The stump grinders, they mix dirt in with that stuff. So it's going to actually decompose more quickly than just sitting on top of the ground by itself, but not as fast as mixing into the dirt. So anyway, it's going, to, it's going to last a pretty good bit. One thing to watch for, this may alarm you, starting you know, next late summer or fall, for the next couple of years, you may see a lot of mushrooms popping up in, in that stuff. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is normal. We have a lot of natural wood decay fungi. And when they've decomposed wood for a certain while and the weather conditions are right, the temperatures are moisture, and they feel good, they're going to do their version of flowering, and that's a little mushroom. So you'll have different kind of mushrooms pop up in it. They're not a problem to your garden. It's just happy fungi slowly breaking down your mulch. So don't worry about the little mushrooms that pop up, really. Okay. Are, are any of them edible? Uh, some are, but I never get for liability reasons. I never get into that because all I got to do is say this is edible, <laughs> and one person misunderstands and eats the wrong thing. So for liability reasons, I never discuss edible mushrooms ever. Okay, I'm but there's gonna be, there, uh, there's, there's gonna be some funny ones out there though. Look for ones called stinkhorns. Uh-huh. If you get a chance, Google stinkhorn. Mushroom, stinkhorn fungi, and you can find some really weird stuff. Okay, I, 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 well, I see those at mulch all the time. Anyway, it's, it's, okay. it, you, you've done a good thing. Okay, well, uh, thank you. All right, and have a great day. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, you know, I didn't want to get into stinkhorn stuff. But let's go down to uh, Van Cleve. Jamie, what's going on down south? Hey, I love your show. You're just so full of information. Um, <laughs> I live in Van, yes, and I, and, and I listen to it all the time. But I have a question. I, I have had a garden, and over the past 20 years, I have depleted de- it, and nothing really grows in it. Of course, I got clay soil. Um, what I'm wondering, I have bunches of leaves. If I was to cover my garden with the leaves, I and I can't get out there and rototill it or nothing. I'm sixty in my 60s. But if yeah. I was to pile it with leaves, and last year uh, a person was throwing away a lot of fertilizer, so I got it. And if I put some high nitrogen on top of it, because I just listened to the previous caller, uh-huh. and also and also in my garden, I had those puff balls. Because you mentioned the mushroom just previously, right. 
Right. So I just need help re nutriating my garden. So yeah. And and by the way, that is a great word. Renutriating. I like it. I really like it. Thank you. Renutriating my garden. (laughs) Uh, A a couple of things. First of all, it's really, it's not too late, but it's really too late to sow seeds of anything like crimson clover seed or ryegrass. But if you live anywhere near a a co-op or someplace or a farmer shop and can get some crimson clover seed, uh, that stuff grows over the wintertime. It grows roots into the into even the worst clay. And in the springtime, it has big leaves, lots of leaves, and it helps suck the moisture out so the garden dries out quicker. And then you can just dig it into the dirt or else cut it off and then plant around uh, the, the clover. And as the clover roots die, they make root holes or paths for new roots. So but anyway, to answer your question, if you've got a bunch of leaves, it's really not much better you could do than spread real tree leaves over an area and just let them break down over the wintertime. Worms will come up at night and eat those, and as they go back into the dirt, they leave little holes, worm-shaped holes, and then air and water and nutrients and roots and all. So worms can do a good job of digging if you'll just feed them, and that's what leaves do. So if you want to cover with leaves, uh, if you don't already have a bunch of fertilizer, get this stuff called cottonseed meal. It doesn't take much. A good dust, a, a pint jar will cover a 10-foot by 10-foot area. But that's a really good natural source of nitrogen that helps leaves decompose. But it also has protein in it, which beefs up earthworms, and they get big and bulky. They do a better job of eating and digging stuff down deep. So leaves and cottonseed meal are my go-to on top of the ground soil improvements. That's what I do. Oh. All right, I just have one more question. So, I mean, I got lots of leaves, so can I just, like, uh, put lots of leaves on it? I mean, say, like, put 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 thick. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. But if you're going to do that, it really does help to throw a little cottonseed meal on there because what breaks those leaves down is is not just moisture and air, mechanical stuff uh, like mowing and chopping, uh, but also the bacteria that do the real decomposition, they need nitrogen. And there's not any better nitrogen, slower, longer, gentler than cottonseed meal. And it also beats up your earthworms, and they'll take it from there. So if you don't have some fertilizer, if you don't already have fertilizer, get a little cottonseed meal and just dust it. Uh, again, a pint jar for a 10-foot by 10-foot area, that ain't much. That's a pound. Uh, does it matter what kind of leaves? Because i got a variety of trees uh, the, the two leaves that are the hardest to break down, that take the longest to break down because of cover of this waxy covering, magnolia leaves and pine needles. They take longer to break down than other leaves, but all the rest of them together, it is not. You'll see, hear people say, oh, you don't want to put oak leaves out because it blah, blah. No, none of that's true. Magnolia and pine needles take a long time to break. All the rest of them are perfectly fine. And if you can run a lawnmower over them to sort of break them up a little bit, they'll really uh, fire up your dirt real quick. But that's not important as much as the cottonseed meal. So it does not matter what kind of leaves, but magnolia and pine needles by themselves take a lot longer to break down. All right. Well, I thank you very, very much, and I've been meaning to ask this for like a month, at least a month. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that. By the way, you you, you mentioned something about, uh, I forget what it was, talking about ranting and raving. Have you ever heard of fall de raw? Fall de raw? No. 
it's an old word, you know, falderall. It's, it means whimsical nonsense. Well, around here we call it felderall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Carl. We appreciate it. <laughs> I thank you, sir, and you have a blessed day. Thank you. Appreciate that, Jamie. Thank you. And we appreciate a lady from Tupelo hanging on for a long time named Crystal. Good morning, Crystal. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> so far, so good. Thanks for being so patient with us. What's up? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I usually, I love the show. I usually listen to it on Saturdays. Um, have you ever had gardenias blooming at Christmas time? Because I do right now. Um, I have a, a gardenia uh, clipping from the plant uh, that I grew about, I guess it's about 20 years ago, and I've uh-huh. had it in a pot this whole time. And I was always told it was a double bloomer, but this year, um, about a week before Thanksgiving, it got buds all over it, and it has blooms all over it right now. So I have, uh, and it's, I have it on a uh, south-facing porch. Um, uh-huh. And normally I bring it inside in the winter time, um, but this year with all the blooms all over it, I don't want to bring it in because the buds will fall off. So I've been wrapping it up uh, like with a blanket, but it's going to be in the 20s next week, and I don't really know yeah. if I can really realistically do that all winter long. So I'm not sure if I should just bring it in and let all the flowers fall off or if I should just keep <laughs> trying to wrap it up or or what I should do. It's really pretty. I have gardenias next to, um, you know, the Christmas wreath, which I've never have, you know, seen that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's break it out a little bit. First of all, uh, congratulations on on having one that's reblooming. But you know, gardenias typically, you know, they can bloom pretty much nonstop as long as the weather's right. You know, the the amount of warmth they get, the sunshine, things like that. Uh, and they're actually grown as as house plants up north where it's too cold to grow outside. So it's not unusual to get them to to bloom what we think of out of season. Um, and a lot of times to stimulate blooms, it could be uh, plants have hormones just like, like people and animals do. Uh, they have one called traumatin, uh, similar to our adrenaline. If a plant gets upset or, or pruned or, or broken or bent or blown around the wind or, you know, any kind of stress can release this traumatin, which kicks a plant into new growth and flowering. So it could have been that you left it a little too dry one time or too hot or something that that, that sort of – shocked the plant, and it reinvigorated it with this traumatin, just like again, like adrenaline makes you want to get up and run. So it, that's not that unusual. It is unusual uh, for people to notice it, and usually it doesn't happen out in the garden. But you're being in a pot, I think it's just gone through some kind of stress maybe a, a month or more ago. Uh, so anyway, that, congratulations on that. The other thing is, you're right, when you take a plant from outdoors from to indoors from the from the warmth, the humidity, the real sunshine, into low light, low humidity, cooler temperatures, the the parts of the plant that are on it outside can't adapt. And so they just shed, and the plant puts on new parts, adapt to a new environment. So that's what happens when you take a plant indoors or outdoors, or even outdoors to indoors. What you might want to do is just leave it out as long as it's above around 35 or 40, leave it outside, and then just bring it into a cool place, uh, uh, that's maybe not right on a heater vent um, temporarily, and then put it back out as soon as it gets back above 35 or 40. You know, just bring them in temporarily. Uh, the, the only drawback to that is your whole house can smell like gardenias. Yes. <laughs> so yes. If, if you just bring it in temporarily, 
just uh, temporarily. I think it'll do fine. You think so? Okay. Uh, that's what I was wondering. It's supposed to be in the 20s next week, and so I was a little concerned uh, about that and, and to to keep trying to do that all the way through January and and uh, February. Well, well the, um, the thing to do is put it, in a, a, put it in a bright window where it gets real sunshine through the window, but make sure the heater drafts are not blowing up because uh, our, our heaters and air conditioners are designed not just for temperature but to take humidity out of the air. These plants like humidity. So if there's a heater vent blowing on it, hold a, a candle or a match nearby, and you'll be able to tell if the, if the flame blows around. Maybe put up a little cardboard or, 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 or put some kind of barrier so the wind doesn't blow directly on it. That'll help a lot. Okay. Um, so it would, but as long as it's around above 35, it would be fine on the south-facing oh. porch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, again, if you have to bring it in temporarily, you know, that, that'd be fine. But, uh, again, okay. once, you know, it, it could get uh, used to being indoors. They're grown as potted houseplants up north. Um, but they would drop their flowers if exposed to too much of a change too fast for too long. So just try to minimize the, 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 the shock too much. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. It's, it's really right. a very, uh, very pretty and interesting having gardenias at Christmas for sure. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I appreciate your call about that. Let me know how it works. That, that sounds fun. All right. Thank you. All righty. Java. That was fun. Thank you, Christopher, for holding in. I appreciate her calling in on a Friday, even though she says she listens mostly on the rebroadcast on Saturday. So, yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, and I hope that Peg uh, from from uh, Louisiana is still is listening again this week. She says she had a weird white patches on her Mexican petunia, and I'm thinking, you know, I've been growing this a long time. There ain't no such thing. I've never seen it, so it can't exist. Turns out <laughs> that there is a type of mite, uh, not quite an insect, a little bitty bug called a mite uh, that gets on the, the uh, almost exclusively on Mexican petunias, and down in Mexico, it's a thing. Um, it, and it causes little white-looking patches on the leaves. They're called iraniums. I even looked up. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff about this. Iraniums. Um, and usually time, they, you know, it's just little, it stunts the growth a little bit. It doesn't kill the plant. It stunts the growth, makes them look a little weird. And a lot of times the mice disappear after a few weeks. So it's a temporary passing type of thing. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the parish extension agent uh, suggested that, um, that she just simply spray the bottom of the leaves with neem oil or any kind of horticultural oil that controls mites, uh, and then prune the plant. Prune the plant gets rid of the worst of the problem, and it stimulates strong new growth that will be free of the mites. So what I would do is I would cut it back, spray what's left with this oil, neem oil or any kind of, of, of miticide, and so that clearly there's still left on the plant, and then the new growth should come out real, real nice and Real nice and clean. Anyway, I learned about a tiny little mite um, that causes a thing called irinium. Living, I hope somebody calls me up and asks me this later because I will be an expert. It's funny you started this whole conversation saying that uh, it was something that you hadn't seen, so it didn't exist. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people live their lives like that way. I haven't seen it, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's a there's a word. I don't know if I can find this word. I, I'll, I'll look it up. But it's a really good. It's a syndrome uh, where people who have a little bit of experience or a little bit of training, a little bit of knowledge, they tend to overinflate what they know to think that they know more than they really do. 
And there's actually a syndrome about that. <laughs> and most of us horticulture is that way. Well, I, I know it all. No, we don't. No, we don't. And, and by the way, I still don't know, even with some coaching from uh, Kevin Phil last week on how to pronounce Z-H-U-Z-H. I don't know if you heard that conversation last week. I did, between you and Abram, um, because he even went to, I think, Google and looked it up. Spell it one more time for me. Z-H-U-Z-H. And I've I've learned, you know, it's a... I read about it in, in the Oxford Eagle, Oxford uh, uh, Eagle up in, in well, Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, they put it as a title of one of my, my uh, uh, I did a column about garden art, and they said zoos up the garden. I'm thinking, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Anyway, what it means is to make something uh, more lively and interesting or stylish or appealing, usually with a little, some kind of little change or addition, and it's usually the word is followed by up. And, and I came up with this. Since I put up a bird feeder, the wild birds have really zoozed up my garden. <laughs> anyway, it's just a little thing. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know if I can ever use that in a real sentence without without laughing or anything. But Z-H-U-Z-H means to, to jazz things up. Maybe that's where it comes from, to jazz things up. Don't yeah, know. somewhere around there. And I'm looking at the origins. You know, most words are like... 1800s, 1700s. This is from like the 1960s. <laughs> if from, I'm reading, from the wind? Uh, from the, it, it, I was looking at the origins and then it says something about 1960s. Zeus, Zeus. It's one of those, those hip, hip, hipster things. Yeah, it might have came into real, real prominence around that a time. Beat, a beat, man, you really zoos that tune up. I can, I can see that. I can hear that. <laughs> And now it's X. It's answers to unasked questions from Felder Rushing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I, I finally remember the name of that effect called the Dunning Kruger effect. K R U G. Dunning Kruger effect, where people overestimate their own abilities and knowledge based on just a little experience or a little horticulture training. Uh, they're the ones who tend to badmouth what other people are doing because they think they know it all. Anyway, uh, enough of that. The, uh, the, the question is, what does horticulture mean? Uh, and before I get to that, that the, what is a garden? I came up with, for a book called Maverick Gardener. I had to come up with the most succinct definition I could possibly come of what is a garden. And I got my friend Bob Bruzak. He's a professor emeritus of landscape architecture at Mississippi State. Uh, Bob helped me come up with this definition of a garden. It's a, uh, a planned People-centric space of any size, indoors or out, where plants are cultivated and displayed alongside man-made materials. That's a lot to think about. But anyway, horticulture, uh, it comes from the Latin word hortus, which means garden, and colera, which means to cultivate, the art of cultivating plants in gardens to produce food and medicinal ingredients, ornamental purposes, that kind of stuff. But to cultivate plants in a garden is what horticulture comes from. But they have to have a garden to begin with, which is a planned, people-centric space, not just a wild space, where of any size, indoors or out, where plants are cultivated or displayed alongside man-made materials. So anyway, that's a lot to say that a garden is a place where you do stuff that pleases you. And if you're cultivating it, you are a horticulturist without all the Dunning-Kruger credentials and stuff. There, I said it. 
What? No, do you put your you put your stamp on it right there. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So people say I'm a horticulturist. Well, you're not a trained horticulturist. Well, okay, but I cultivate plants for my own pleasure in a garden. That makes me a horticulturist. So I hate to take the wind out of sails of pompous people like myself, but uh, there are a lot of people what I call horti horti holier than now. <laughs> That's another word I came up with. People who, well, I, you know, I studied this, so I'm, you know, it's, it's soil, it's not dirt. Shut up. Dirt and soil are the same thing, just two different languages. <laughs> Quick, Java, get me off this rant. Let's well, go. I, yeah, I think uh, Jim from Jackson is coming <laughs> to save the day. And he also uh, has answered the call about your limerick, Felder. Okay. Hey, Jim, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine, Felder. You asked for a little limerick. Uh, about fall or winter gardening. Okay, keep it clean. All right, here it is. In the winter, gardening is not lost. Lots can be done after the frost. Plant cabbage and kale, they grow without fail, and labor is all they cost. (laughs) Well done, Dean. Well done. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Hey, I want to ask you something, though. You, you you still growing stuff, uh, even though you're the, the Dean Emeritus of the law school, you still grow okra back in the corner of the, the parking lot? Yes, and my zinnias are still alive back there. I harvested really? some the other day. Really? I, 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 I got a, a note from a friend of mine that said he finally got some frost in Jackson. So, so, but yours is surrounded by buildings and concrete downtown Jackson. So it's like a little microclimate. Still got zinnias, though. That's right. Uh, it it does survive uh, the the light frost, but we'll have a heavy frost. We'll take everything down. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a brilliant limerick, Dean. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, best to you and Merry Christmas, Felder. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that, uh, Jim Jackson from Jim, not Jim Jackson. Jim in Jackson. Jim Rosenblatt. Jim, Jim Rosenblatt <laughs> in Jackson. I said that last time he called, which is a month or so ago. Anyway. Um, we're going to have a whole lot of interesting stuff going on over the next uh, couple of weeks or so. A lot of people are thinking about holidays and gift-giving. We're about halfway through Hanukkah now, and uh, a lot of people are thinking about gift-giving. Don't forget the gardener. It, it can be something as simple as a paper white ball, a paper white ball. Put in a little vase, a little water, touching just the bottom of it, and it can sprout roots, sprout leaves, and bloom indoors within three or four weeks. This is a magical thing to give a, a child who may have uh, trouble focusing. You know, get them to measure how much did it grow every day. Get them to, to measure, make a little chart or something like that. But this is a good way to involve kids in something that doesn't take forever and has almost guaranteed results. Paper white bulb, a little vase of water, maybe some Mardi Gras beads or or something at the bottom the roots can tangle up with so it doesn't flop over. But there's lots of cool little seed packets and a little container with some potting soil and some bulbs and things like that. A lot of really good little easy gifts for folks who may not have the ability or the desire to get out and have a big, big garden. So just think about that when you're making your holiday gift list. So, uh, Felder, we have another yeah. call. Um, Pig in Mandeville wants to join the conversation this morning. Pig, is this the same pig from last week? Yes, it is, and I, I thank you for getting all my friends in the neighborhood who I haven't talked to to know about that little mite that's on our ruella. 
Um, but I wanted to tell you the word is juge. Juge. You juge it up. Juge it up. Juge it up. My son's girlfriend in North Carolina is always saying, we got to juge it up. Ah, uh, he's he, he dating a, a hip gal from the South, I hear. It sounds like the tune of a Mardi Gras song. Juge it up, juge it up, juge it up. You can, Java, can you hear a Mardi Gras song, juge it up? Juge it up. We put the um, brass band behind it. We may have on, might be on to something. <laughs> so, so Pet, which is the pet? You, you told me who you contacted when I said contact. The, was that your parish extension office you called? Yes, it was. It was um, at, um, what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, but anyway, but I was right. If I don't know something, call somebody in the, the county or their parish extension office. a good place it, to start. Yeah. It was Will Afton, and he knew right they, away because he's seen it. Yeah, well, you know, see, that's, that's 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 what extension people do. They, you know, all they do is sit around the office and listen to people with problems, <laughs> and we look it up and we share with each other. So anyway, I appreciate that. I won't remember. I won't remember the, the name of all that, but I remember. Yeah, there's a little bug that gets on. Just cut them back and spray them, and they'll be fine. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. So okay. Your day. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, Java. We got to come up with something about this, man. Juice it up. Juice it, it up. We can juice it up. <laughs> we may <laughs> we may figure something out um, before the players drive and come up with something. I don't know. Juice it up. Juice it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm going to be. I, I think I mentioned that because of the solstice. Uh, solstice is, and I'm, it's, it's not a religion. It's a natural phenomenon that the days are getting shorter until next Thursday night. Then it's getting long again. But worldwide through history. People have noted this change, you know, the rebirth of the solar year or whatever you want to call it. And I, the people of Stonehenge set up these little, these big rocks and made it so that when the sun set and rose at a specific time of the year at the solstice, it came up right in between these rocks. It was done on purpose that way thousands of years ago. And I've been there. It's a bunch of really weird people. Let me tell you, they show up with, with fake deer antlers and all sorts of dances and music, tambourines and stuff. But I'm going to make one up on the moors. I'm here in England. It's going to be cold. It's going to be uh, maybe snowing. But I'm going to set me up a little bitty uh, stone, little stone thing using clothespins and see if I can come up with a really fun one. You may be able to make up something, Felder. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there was just a little bit of a silence there when I said all that. Well, I I know <laughs> you have been out there because I thought it was pretty cool when you shared the pictures with me about you being out there at Stonehenge and the way the sun comes up in a specific spot. Like it's 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 something to to witness. The people back well, in the day, they knew what they were doing. Well, the the whole thing is this is this is something that that humans on a on the most basic level we wonder about about world and life and what's going on. And this is just one of those seasonal, not, uh, one of these dramatic changes that give people time to pause and think and ponder. And, and you know, it's one of the reasons why I've come up with New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. So anyway, it's just something to, something to do to help celebrate uh, something that has been celebrated for thousands of years by the most primitive and the most experienced of people. So however you celebrate the seasonal change. It's going to be a good one. I hopefully better next year. <laughs> hopefully better. At any rate, we have hope. Gardeners 
have hope. We plant for the future, and we do that with hope and expectations. And we share in our failures, we share in our foibles, we share in our successes. And that's what we do every week on the Gestalt Garden. We share what we know, we, we learn stuff we didn't know, and we wonder about stuff. So I'm glad to be part of it. I'm Horticulturist Phil Russian. Me and Java Chapman and all the other folks at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we hope to take a chance to take a kid to a farmer's market or to a garden center, give them something that will give them something to look forward to in this new year. Teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.